2: You are listening to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode one hundred seventy eight, sponsored by In Stock Trades and Shiguri Death Frenzy by Funimation. Hi, welcome to iFanboy.com's Pick of the Week podcast, episode 178. My name is Paul Montgomery, and I'm here with Sonia Harris. Hello. Jim. I'm not even going to try it. How's it going? And Mike Romo.
3: Hello, hello, hello.
2: At ifanboy.com, we like comics, and every week we read a bunch of comics, and one of us picks the best one and writes about it on the website, and then we talk about it here on the podcast, along with various other topics
4: of interest. You are probably expecting to hear Ron, Josh, and Connor right now, uh, which would make sense since this is technically their show, but you are not going to get that this time, so pause and delete here. <laughs> this is the All Writer Special, the iFanboy response to the Assistant Editor's Month at Marvel Comics and or in April Fool's something.
5: But before we get to the show, this is a reminder slash warning. It's a review show of this week's comics, so if you haven't read them, stop and don't listen. Unless you like spoilers. Most people don't. So if you want to go read this week's books before you listen to us, go do that. This week, Josh has the pick, which was Flash Rebirth number
3: (laughs) 1. The long-awaited Flash Rebirth number 1 by Jeff Johns and Ethan Van Scriver. And I think what 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 is this? The most anticipated book so far of the year? I think Certainly. it is
4: uh, it is apparently the most picked book or most pulled book ever in iFamily comic
3: history. Really? Yeah. Yep. Eight
4: hundred and one last time I heard.
3: Well, it was those two page spreads. Every comic like was over the past two weeks. It would it would open up and when, the first time I saw it, I'm like, oh yeah, this is. I'm <laughs> definitely. I can't wait for this book. I became like a monster <laughs> truck guy while I was reading my comic. <laughs> It was exciting. What did you guys think? What did you guys think?
4: I don't know anything about The Flash, but I knew that we were in for a flash alanche because, well, you know, the rogues began twittering and Ron began listing things that this book had better do, and it seemed like everywhere I turned, this was all I heard about, but uh, as I think I mentioned to you guys earlier, I have never read A Flash anything before this. I bought it because I felt like I needed to be able to have a conversation tonight about it, and uh, <laughs> before that, I had never seen The Flash or touched The Flash in any capacity other than Tom Cater's excellent Tom vs. The Flash podcast, and as I think I also mentioned, when all you've done is uh, if the only person who's ever told you a Flash story is Tom Cater's, a book like this, you read it and you go, they are really taking this seriously. It's a bit of an evolution (laughs) from, from the old stuff, yeah. Perhaps we should pause and explain what it is we're talking about. What's the re- like, what is the rebirth
2: book? of the flash it's it's the what
4: return he, of barry yes. allen after many many years after a crisis
2: on infinite earths he's been not dead but stuck in the speed force out of some valiant sacrifice or accident according to him and uh, he doesn't know how long this is going to last that he's going to be free from the speed force everybody in the dc universe is really happy about it except for bart allen his grandson from the future lots of physics involved in this comic book but <laughs> everybody's excited about it except for him and uh, he's all doom and gloom about it wondering when he's going to get sucked back into the speed force Uh, so kind of a glass half Empty kind of guy.
3: I, you know, I never remembered him being this serious. Seemed be, I seem to read some comments where people are like, his tone is different. I I felt it was almost like Bruce Wayne. Just yeah. his attitude toward it. He, he sounded very bef- sort of grim, even when. And one of my favorite moments of the book was when he gets to hang out with Hal Jordan, and and they even make that funny joke about the bow ties. Because when I read it as a kid, these guys were these best of friends, uh, clean cut, fun loving dudes, and then he comes back, and there really is sort of this. It's a. Re- it surprised me. It's much more. There's. It's a heavier. There's more gravitas with this return. Less of a yes. celebration. Mm. He has. Well, he doesn't have time for your party. Do- he doesn't. He's late already for another yeah. one.
2: <laughs> well, the thing is, this is. I guess this is really the first time we've seen Barry Allen in, like, in, um, in any extended capacity in modern comics, because the last time was Crisis on Infinite Earths, which is it was still a crazy condensed comics back then. So. Yeah. This is the first time we're seeing the really dark and gritty kind of...
5: (laughs) I I guess they try and lift it a bit with his friendship with Hal. You know, there's that conversation they have, and they're kind of joking back and forth. And I like that there's the dynamic between them explored. So I think he's trying to lift the mood a little bit. It doesn't come across as funny, but I think he's trying to be funny.
4: All that talk about the guilty made me feel like I was reading a kind of a Punisher comic, and... uh... Yeah, I mean, and the, like I, that that first page of captions just made me think I had wasted three of my dollars right off the bat. But luckily, I mean, <laughs> don't get me wrong, don't get me wrong. This I thought this I was great. I liked
5: those first three pages.
4: Visually, oh, it was interesting because you got that yes. POV shot. That's, so I don't, that's cool. captions yeah, were a little yeah, bit heavy. After after listening, like you know, and maybe this is just my all of my exposure to the Flash has been listening to an excellent podcast where a very funny fellow has himself a beer and recites a flash comic and, and describes it and deconstructs it in a humorous way. so like when I start to read about the guilty and the like I just uh, I, I thought have I have I accidentally bought this you know but like, but don't get me wrong though it turned out to be great it turned out to be compelling. like I said I don't know anything about the character but I did by the time I was done you know everybody always says the my, my Manchurian candidate trigger word is jumping on point. Uh, but
3: uh, but this is one of those fantastic art, which you know I haven't seen a full book of his in you know in, in a while, and it, some of the details so so sharp. It's almost like an etching at some points. So the lightning and the energy. And it's almost the opening sequence is almost three dimensional. It's so clear that I thought it was kind of cool.
5: I think that works really well because he's incredibly spot on with everything in the first few pages but i think as he gets further in his faces are a little bit pinched he gets he's really strong on details he's really great with bodies the the boots and the asses are perfect and the faces are just mm-hmm. a bit pinched. So I I think those first few pages work the best because they're so so electric and exciting and you don't know what's going to happen. But as you go in, these people are so serious and then their faces are so pinched and waspy and it just yeah. becomes a bit dry.
4: Well, as I looked at the, I was particularly impressed by like the scenes of them wandering through the Flash Museum, and I got it. I almost when I see things like that, I almost want to write to the writer or write to the artist and apologize because I know that no matter how hard I look, I'm not going to get everything out of it that he put into it. There's a lot of detail there, so much so that you almost forget that the Flash Museum is a sort of an insane thing to have. There's
2: like a little element to. of of Where's Waldo to it.
4: There's just so <laughs> yes. many different
2: little like easter eggs and and everything Did you so.
4: did you play spot the in joke like I I think I I think Dexter Miles is a person I'm supposed mm-hmm. to know, and he was in there, and you know, it's like, oh, let me ask you this, was uh, sure. was Barry was Barry Allen always, did his dad always kill his mom? That's the continuity controversy ah, um, I see. people
2: are, are talking about, and apparently that has to do, I haven't read Mark Wade's run, that apparently has something to do with that, um, so I can't really say whether or not, you know, I'd be pissed off if I'd read Mark Wade's and, and Jeff John's uh, previous Flash run, and then read this, which apparently throws that all out of balance, but Having not read those things, this doesn't bother me. Yeah. You know, there's so many things get lost in the shuffle of continuity and, and, and updating things anyway. So you're going to lose, you know, some babies in the bathwater, but it's just how
4: it is. So It was, nice. Make it was nice not to have to, to care about any of that.
5: I mean, is nice. it me? Or was Barry Allen a bit more fun back in the day? I, I just thought he was more fun back in the day. I, I'm finding this a bit heavy. Just a bit. Uh, now that he's a dad, but then you know, most people who I know who have kids get it a bit serious. So maybe it's just. <laughs> I mean, he
3: did yeah. just come back. He did just come back from de- you know being dead. So oh yeah. A- that'll bring with, you
5: down. <laughs>
3: um, it's you know again. It's like what Josh wrote in, in his review. There was echoes of Steve Rogers of being a man out of time. So that yeah. must a bit well. disturbing.
4: Well, I, I found I found the character very relatable because of that. As uh, you know having he's got this sense of having missed out on so much and and, have, and being so beholden and having so many things that he still needs to do with the time he has left and i mean i'm not dying or anything don't panic but i do i definitely do feel like i'm playing catch up a lot of the time and so reading reading his struggle was like i said very relatable to me and i just i was he the flash it made me the story made me think that the flash wasn't who i thought he was and it surprised me in in ways good and bad and i'm not just talking about the horrific muscle baby that, uh, <laughs> this is pretty tame for the muscle baby. He has
5: super strength. He, it was well-illustrated super strength, because otherwise you wouldn't know which kid had super strength. I thought it was good, it, because they showed that, which that kid had the super strength.
2: That kid looks really caricaturish in other comics. Like He looks like he should be driving in a dune buggy. Like, he <laughs> just does not look right at all. It just Maybe, maybe so a little like garbage
4: bale kid or something. Yeah, well. So, you know, Jensky, do you think problems.
2: you're going to stick with it? after this oh, issue I'm gonna,
4: i'll i'll read it i'll read it through okay uh it whether i mean whether or not it makes a flash non-rebirth lover out of me I, like if i if i start reading the main book i don't know i'm also very confused about why we're on like four flashes uh um, yeah
3: it's it's confusing
4: what was the compelling reason in a world with bart allen and wally west and you know wiki wally and whoever the hell else is, you know, like <laughs> it, it, wiki
5: it, wally I, come
4: on i, I don't know <laughs> i'd uh, far be it from a Marvel zombie to make fun of alliterative names, but yeah, I don't know why uh, I don't know why Barry Allen has to come back, and maybe that's what this book will tell me. You know, it's, otherwise it seems like just another meaningful death that's being undone for no compelling reason. But but and yet the book is very entertaining. I, it sounds like I'm trashing it, but I actually I liked it
3: quite a lot. Well, wait, wait well, speaking uh, speaking of entertaining death, I think we should move <laughs> on to uh, okay. Max Comics Destroyer. Because I've ah. never been enter- more entertained by yeah. carnage, and I don't know how long. This is what this is. Robert Kirkman, and who drew this? Corey Walker, right? Corey Walker. Okay,
2: okay. this is if Ed Asner or John McCain. John right, McCain. And John McCain with right? that!
5: No, no, were enough. I <laughs> won't let <laughs> you say <laughs> this again. It's not <laughs> John McCain. John McCain I'm is done. not acceptable. Uh, okay, okay, Ed, As- if Ed Asner
2: or Wilford again. Brimley were a superhero. <laughs> Okay, and basically he has a, a sort of a medical death sentence he has a bum ticker he went to a doctor underwater and um, he had weird cyborg parts to his head and he yeah. said listen you gotta you gotta slow down man you gotta calm down you gotta relax you can't be like pushing rifles through people's sternums um, for much longer or you're just going to keel over and die so this is the bucket list for superheroes very violent very worthy for the uh the max explicit content label on the cover so
4: it earns its name although isn't it interesting that like basically there's nothing in this book this max marvel max book that isn't in invincible any other issue Mm -hmm. But look, look, I I
5: didn't read Invincible, okay, so I know I don't know shit here, but I think this is a really stellar comic. It would be my pick of the week because I do love this whole, I don't think it's like Bucket List, I don't think it's like anything else that's ever been done because you've got this dynamic, vibrant, violent, active man who's also a a bloody old granddad and he's got family and he's got shit going on with them and he's got Mm -hmm. wife and commitments and he's also incredibly powerful. I don't think there's been anything like this. Oh no, I don't. Fantastic. I didn't. I didn't
2: mean to to simplify, though. I'm just trying. I'm just trying to pitch it really sort of quickly. <laughs> and, well, yeah, and, and when
4: I when I, I say there's,
5: it's dismissive, you know, by saying, oh, it's like oh, this no. and this, like okay, it's unique that's fair,
2: and beautiful. Fair. But yeah, it is. Well, great. Well, it's my, I think it's my pick of the week as well. I really enjoyed it. So
4: it was certainly oh. a contender for me in a week that was not very strong. When I when I said that it was like exactly like what you find in Invincible, I meant in terms of the gore like that that thing where in the very first panel uh the destroyer is punching a guy so hard that his jaw has flown off of his head that might as well have a little like registered trademark symbol next to it and like copyright 2008 uh cory walker and robert kirkman because i swear to god invincible invincible has relieved a few people of its jaws of their jaws in its day uh i didn't see very,
5: the jaw i'm just seeing eyeballs and bits of oh the head. eye
4: oh, there's some there's some jaw there
5: yeah. <laughs> there's a bit there's a
2: mandibular carnage for sure right yeah. there. <laughs> oh,
5: yeah. look if I punched my fist through your head, there'd be parts of your head flying through your head i'm just <laughs> saying realistic yes, in it, this it, beautiful <laughs> cartoony kind of elegant way
4: it very realistically <laughs> presents the way a human fist would penetrate the skull yes so i don't you look. want
5: to see that come on and <laughs> but it's elegant and cartoony in this we're cute not way. saying
2: it's bad we like it we're just saying that we're just we're just trying to explain to anyone who hasn't looked at it this is what it is without reading the entire book. I mean, we could start at page one and say, okay, everybody, page one, and then we'll have Mike make yes. a little, like, golden books noise for when they should turn right. the page. Bing. Bing. But it's, yeah. If you've but ever, it's, if you've but, ever but, wanted to well, see
4: your grandfather oh. rip your uncle's heart out.
5: Yes, man. through his mouth, through his mouth. Yeah, that, that whole nearly got it bit. Oh, my God.
4: Not,
3: not to start anything, but this really kind of made me think of a, sort of an inverse kick kick-ass where, where he's like a young kid trying to do this and he's old and it's like this it's it's still the same kind of violence but it takes it from this great angle and two things that i liked about those books are the relationships oh, okay. with the family that they it's, when, it's an inverse that, that of a kick-ass
5: because he's pulling out not kicking in he's, he's that's pulling true well, there, there, there is down. that
3: but i love the scenes between him and his wife i thought they were so tender and such a great counterpoint movie. To the opening and the closing.
5: And she explains that she doesn't have a bionic arm. She's like, it's just a hand to, to do things, you know. Yes. They do this great little one-page, half a page even, where they describe how her arm works, and she's not bionic, it's just an arm. So it's clearly set in a universe where things are a little bit technologically advanced.
4: Yes. <laughs> Sometimes the doctor's underwater. and have- I noticed my. that on my second read. I was like, wow. Yeah.
2: Like, he has a neat aquarium in his room, and then I looked at the establishing shot, and
4: it's an underwater. (laughs) Uh, And I like like the idea that he finds out he's only got so much more time to live, and he decides to spend it, like, leaving – his legacy to his grandchildren is killing all of the people who could possibly harm anyone that Mm. goes. Like, like, Sonia, I think you were talking about how, you know, uh, another viable choice might be to not – Kill people uh, and, and race your heart, and and spend more time with those people. But he he's kind of decided that it's over for him, and now he's just got to leave them something to remember him by, which is to say, their disemboweled uh, uncle. Just created something of a bucket list.
0: <laughs> okay, I'll give it
4: to
5: you. I'll give it to you. I, I didn't see that movie. I just object to my my childhood heroes being turned into cute old men. You know when you watch. Easy Rider. Do you really think? Oh, I want to see that guy as a little old man being cute. Mm-mm.
1: Mm-mm.
3: It That's also reminded it me happens. of that, reminded me of that book Red, which had an older uh, guy who was sort of going through his uh, his off his ex work and offing people.
5: See, so, yeah, old guys can do amazing shit. That's why this book
3: incredible. Well, speaking of old guys who do amazing shit, long live Captain America! It's his seventieth <laughs> anniversary issue. And I think as good as the main story written by James Robinson and Marcos Martín, whose covers I've been uh, exploiting on my co- column, I think I've never been more entertained by a backup reprint story oh, ever. man. This uh, <laughs> Captain America Death Loads the Bases by Joe Simon and Jack Kirby, <laughs> I, featuring yeah. featuring the only baseball game that I've ever heard of that continues to play even after a player dies during the game. Two players. That's two players. Right, right, right.
4: This is the kind of thing that normally I would get to that page in the book and go, "God damn it! Why don't I look at these things before I pay for them?" But this, this one I read, and it was the you know perhaps the most delightful thing I'd seen all week. Now I wouldn't want every Captain America comic I read on a monthly basis to be written this way, but as as a as an occasional visit, this was a delight. Especially, I mean, where do you even start? I where Cap and Bucky try to lure out the killer by joining the baseball team while playing in their costumes with baseball uniforms on over them.
5: How hot are the, they? I mean, that's impractical right the there. Way,
4: the way that, like, someone gets murdered in front of 50,000 people and they all just keep speaking in baseball puns. <laughs>
5: like, also, the bad guy has fangs. So even without his mask on, they'd be like, oh, you're the guy with the fangs. But yeah, we also- spotted you because you had giant fangs. <laughs>
3: He's also he- a his name is the black toad. Is, despite despite his tail. despite his fangs and his cape and his wolf ears
4: his nickname is the
3: toad. So I presume that must be that must be his given name because I can't think of any reason <laughs> I usually always skip these things, but when I saw the opening page with two players skidding in the gravestones and the umpire as death, I'm like, maybe I'll give it a try. Maybe I'll give it a try. Yeah, maybe. It was was an earlier reprint. A lot of times it's usually from the 60s, and I'm not that interested. But here the art style was so different. The, the, The lines between the panels with the lightning bolts and the fuzziness for the ideas. I thought it was so dynamic. Actually, yeah. I thought it was really advanced. And it has all
4: of those great Golden Age storytelling devices where, like, just on the on the precipice of, of World War, Cap and Bucky just leave the barracks in the middle of the night to go catch a ball game. And then, as often happens, the pitcher's felled by a blowgun. And, uh, you know, <laughs> then they make jokes about it, like you do when somebody dies in front of you.
5: Okay, okay, yeah. this is all well and good, but we should talk about the story we were sold. The, right, uh, that's
4: the, true. The it, current days...
5: The, the very exciting and beautiful, elegant grown-up story that we were sold as the book.
3: Yes. Well, which I thought was great. To, I mean, I know it's probably contrived, but it was nice. First of all, it was nice to see Marcos Martins work again. Um, this guy, for me, can do no wrong. I thought the opening, where you where you pan down, you tilt down, and you see the inside of the plane, and then right at the final thing, there's Bucky right to his left. I mean, it really set it up really nicely. His art was great. I know, Sonia, you, you felt that Steve was a little skinny.
5: Just Oh my God! He he's... looks like
2: Christian Bale in The Machinist. That's he looks
5: thinner. He looks even thinner than Christian Bale in The Machinist. I've never seen a human being thinner than this. It's silly. His neck is like two feet long. He's like ET. Like, come on! Like, ah, you know, I know you're exaggerating.
4: Marcos Martín is not trying to be Alex Ross. Uh, <laughs> he's trying to. He's trying to evoke. He's trying to communicate. He's not trying to be literal. Okay. Okay,
5: fair enough. It it just doesn't, that one panel, that first, you open it, he's there all emaciated and he's too thin. It's just, make his neck a little bit shorter and it might be realistic.
4: That's all I'm saying. Well, maybe Skinny Steve just is not photogenic. Fuck yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that
5: the camera takes 10 pounds off.
4: (laughs) That's right. You don't know. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I don't know how they worked back in the forties. I, I I have to. I agree about the art. I'm a little gringier when it comes to the story. But when the when they the, the, the two page uh, splash of Skinny Steve kind of moping his way through Brooklyn or wherever he is is a, like the textbook example of why everyone should know Marcos Martins' name. Uh, I think totally. the
5: coloring is very beautiful on that page too. You know, the, the quality of the colors. It's these really lovely mm-hmm. earth tones, and him moving through the city. It's very of its time. Yeah. It's very nice.
3: It's yeah. it kind of it's a nice setup for uh, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sales piece. It's almost like sort of showing, uh, hey, look at what we can do because you know that's not even out yet, right? They had issued and, zero,
4: and it never will be. Yeah, they they put out zero and they announced that I think in uh, 1973 they announced that was coming out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's been like a year. Oh, is that all. Well, come
5: on, I- I'm a reader of Planetary. I'm used to waiting.
4: <laughs> right. <laughs> you you have the patience of a saint, and we all... <laughs> yeah. I'm still <laughs> I, watching I, uh...
5: Dollhouse. Come on.
4: <laughs> <laughs> Another topic for about ten minutes from now. But, yeah, I just, I thought the story was a little Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. And, like, mm-hmm. we... We've discussed like uh, one of the many many excellent articles on iFanboy.com this week, and I can't remember if it was Josh or if it was you, Paul, but somebody was talking about how it's not the costumes, it's not the powers, it's not the crisis, it's the character that is the kind of the fulcrum of the story, and this takes everything. That makes Captain America Captain America, and strips it down to its very essence. You know, it takes away the shield, it takes away the bulk, it takes away the matinee idol good looks that Sonya appreciates so, and uh, re- reduces him to. I don't have a Captain America crush. I'm afraid to tell oh, you. Oh no, he's not someone I
5: fantasize. It. He's not a bad boy. I don't. I don't go for him. I'm oh, sorry. I see. Well
3: well well next up here's let's just talk about the issue that kind of inspired this whole writer's uh, takeover of the Hi Fi and Boy Pick of the Week podcast in the first place. It's the Marvel Super what is it, assistant size spectacular. I'm not even sure how to read that title. But it's a special limited series one of two. Uh, Chris Eliopoulos did the uh, sort of the, the framing device. And then I was really surprised. I had no idea what to expect. Last time yeah. I saw one of these things, I, I didn't even, it was an assistant editor. It was Alpha Flight number six or something, Snowblind. And at one point, all the panels just became white. And I thought it was like, wow, it's really snowy where the story is <laughs> right. taking place. But no, they, they, the joke was that they actually didn't print any of the art. But I was like, wow, right. that is so, that is so edgy.
4: It's so snowy, it's totally white But I was really
3: pleasantly surprised with this As was I, because this was always
4: My recollection of Assistant Editor's Month Was always that it was very gimmicky And just in case anybody who's listening to my words Does not know what we're talking about Marvel used to be in the semi-regular habit Of of declaring an Assistant Editor's Month Where it would sort of throw the control of the books Over to the assistants And the whole gimmick was that The stories would then just be sort of off the wall And wacky, and like Marvel team-up featured Uh... Franklin Richards and Aunt May versus Galactus. And, you know, it was, it was, that was the kind of thing that I kind of expected here. And I opened it up with eyes pre-rolled, but uh, what I found instead was a lot of really serious, lovely stuff. There's a story in there about D-Man uh, going to war in Iraq and trying to apply the dynamics of superheroism to the battlefield with sort of lackluster results. And there's a Jason Aaron story uh, that takes place on an Indian reservation. Yes, yeah, a real
3: departure, real departure yeah, for him. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Indian reservation, uh, native justice. Yeah, but gorgeously done. Holy crap! I, I actually yeah. Really well,
4: it. I, I mean, the market. Given that I was expecting like Howard the Duck and Power Pack versus Stiltman or something, finding finding the Jason Aaron story in the middle kind of made me feel like I owed everyone an apology. Oh, I'm um, so
5: glad I'm the I'm not the only one that, that remembers Power Pack.
3: <laughs> I like Power Pack. I read that as a kid. I even <laughs> liked the, I know some people diss on the, the mini-Marvels, but I got to say, I laughed out loud. I just thought this was hilarious. I think that was my favorite I, part. I, yeah. I and re- they even
2: diss it in the book. They, they, they complain about it, that there's going to be a mini-Marvel comic coming up, and I loved it. I thought it was hilarious.
3: <laughs> yeah,
4: I ate some crow on that one, because I was scoffing mini-Marvels, just along with everybody else in the book. Including that friend of yours who's apparently in it. That's right, yeah. I
2: actually know one of the assistant editors in this book. He's actually a character in the comic, uh, Tom Brennan, who's the, the guy who fades into the background because he's so pale. Um, I actually went to school with him, so that's, that was really cool and, and surreal for, for me to read this.
3: Good stuff. Let's see what's next. Oh, this is another highly anticipated book we had. I feel kind of bad for the guys. We get to discuss not only The Flash, but Mark Waid and Peter Krauss doing Irredeemable by oh. Boom Studios. And uh, what did you guys think? People really liked it.
2: Pleasant surprise.
3: Yeah. yeah. Amazing.
5: I, I'm so glad you told us to buy this. Jim, right? It was Jim that was like, oh, you can get this.
4: I, I am proud of, of sort of agitating for this one.
5: Yeah. Of you rock. Um, it was good. It was like definitely pick of the week material for me. It was I think
4: very good. Probably, it was probably mine uh, as well. I, I don't remember how I heard about it, but I, I loved the idea of. Uh, Mark Wade taking this approach to superheroes and, and kind of – it's a little meta uh, if – well, basically, it's about, it's about an all-powerful hero in the Superman mold who sort of loses his mind. And this, the book begins with him kind of systematically massacring all of his former teammates, and they're kind of desperately trying to figure out how to – Can stay- I
5: interject there? Because I think you're being a bit harsh. I don't think lose your mind is fair. I think maybe just got frustrated with people being dicks really and and just lost it you know just just kind of lost the line between what was a reasonable level of response to people being dicks because people are dicks and if you've got superhero they you're are. going to notice that they're assholes and at some point maybe get frustrated with it and if you're a sane person you're just going to say oh well people suck if you kind of maybe lose control of your impulses you might decide to kill them all i'm if just you would saying vision
2: you do this too probably by accident sometime
5: I, I mean, am sure I would.
3: When yeah. you lose control though, you I mean when you lose control you could argue that you are kind of losing your mind. But I mean I, I will say that it was the most crazy, most manic opening and then so chilling when he says, Do you know who I am, Sarah? I'm a superhero and you really get the weight of this like, whoa, what would happen if the most powerful hero just didn't care? And this is like, I'm angry and I you guys can't do anything about it um you guys were discussing uh, earlier the uh, the whole baseball scene and where you know I thought he hears the whole, all this praise
4: i thought the whole book sort of hinged on that and i think that's that's what it's going to prove to be about he he saves the lives of an entire baseball stadium full of people and Amidst and again, this is something I relate to all too well. He hears an entire stadium full of people singing his praises and thanking God that he was there and talking about how great he is, and then just one little guy, like twenty, thirty rows up, going, "Ah, he's not so great." And like his entire, he gets this little twinge, and and you know, fast forward to a couple of years later, he's completely lost his faith in humanity and his kind
5: of... Okay, and this is the part where if the artist, or even, and I think because I think it could just be the anchor if, no offense to you guys but like, who are doing this and making this great comic, but like, there was just a bit more fluidity there and a bit more expressiveness, that scene where he he hears that guy mouthing off about him, if he just just, if his face had just shown a bit more displeasure, it might have been a bit more emotive at that point.
3: What do you guys think about the two-page essay in the back by Grant Morrison. I, I, thought, it was really I thought that was great.
5: I love that, yeah. Because I think for me, it's always been a huge in that whole like categorization, categorization problem. I don't like people telling me who I am and what I'm like. And so I can really see how as a creative person working in this industry, being told what you do well could really feel like it was trapping you and limiting you. And I love that Grant Gives it up to Wade and says, I was complaining about it, but he did something. He broke what he he felt he broke the mold there. And I appreciate Grant for being honest about that.
4: That having been said, I had not—I was not aware until Grant Morrison told me in this essay that Mark Wade had been pigeonholed. Because uh, maybe it's because I didn't read his, a lot of his DC work, and I mean, uh, Grant Morrison describes Mark Wade as the guy you go to when you want to reinsert the fun into your stodgy old Silver Age dad comics or whatever, which is something I had never heard until that moment because when I read this book all I thought of was a previous Mark Waid series called uh, Empire uh, which he did with Barry Kitson which you should definitely pick up if you haven't already the premise of which being it's about that supervillain who's always threatening to take over the world actually taking it over and then having to hold on to it and you know run it and deal with Famine in Africa, and <laughs> actually the, the oh, ins great. and outs of, of, yeah. And it's a great series. It's not, it's, it's sort of joyless and pitiless and harsh in a way that this is going to, this Irredeemable is going to kick up to notches unheard. And I, you know, I, <laughs> you
5: so, I mean, maybe maybe his team, I don't know, his team seemed pretty fucking resourceful. I was curious as to where this would go. I want to see where this will go. It's, a, it's, a, it's setting the scene. I want to see where it'll go.
4: Uh-huh. I couldn't agree more. Uh, dead Baby Warning. Oh, dead fiery yeah. baby warning. There, there will be. There will Tiny be. Tiny
5: skeleton, warning. not good. Yeah. That,
2: that's a, that's what I assumed we'd be talking about because Jimski <laughs> sent us the email. Oh, there's a dead baby it and saved sounds like dead mm-hmm. yeah. it, it,
3: that. Dead baby hatred. Nobody
5: likes that. No.
3: No. In fact, the crowd howls for blood as two damage <laughs> warriors sacrifice flesh and bone. In a perverse test of wills, yes, Funimation presents shigeru Death Frenzy! Yes! This is the story of Fujiku Genosuke and Iroko Saigen, two legendary samurai who share a long and violent past. Bitter rivals from the moment they locked eyes, these warriors inflicted wounds on each other that would have destroyed lesser men. As the final chapter of their saga unfolds, they must summon the strength for one last battle... A battle only one shall survive. Available now on Blu-ray and DVD. We're talking Shiguri Death Frenzy.
2: I want everybody else to try saying it, too. No. (laughs) Don't you say,
3: Shiguri Death Frenzy. No, I'm not going to. You have to go. You have to visit Funimation.com, Shiguri, S-I-G-U-R-U-I, for more details. It sounds fun. It sounds... The beauty is in the kill, my friends.
4: I want to see it.
3: I I would
4: not. Not only do I want to see it, I want to hire Mike to be in the live-action version.
5: (laughs) I want to see it with you guys.
3: (laughs) I'll be right over. Um, You should have heard me practicing that in the shower this morning. Anyway, um, (laughs) on to Superman Batman number fifty-seven. Anybody want to talk about what this title means to them? (laughs)
4: This title means to me finding out that Jeff Loeb was over the top about five or six years ago. I haven't read it in quite some time.
3: Very interesting.
4: Oh, oh my god, I killed the I killed I know, the you show. Just, well, he silence. didn't read like this one. He didn't, I didn't read it and he hasn't read it for a while.
3: No, I yeah, haven't read, read it since it like number nine or
4: something. Don't listen to me. The but.
3: best thing about this, I've been reading it off and on and then I just kind of picked it up because uh, the art was really good and Basically, the past the past two arcs have been really, really nice and and really, really solid. Just fun comic book stories about two great characters and kind of what's been lost, I think, with the Final Crisis and you know the death of Batman, the, the battle for his cowl, and all that stuff. You you forget the fun and this relationship that these two guys have and the legacy that these two characters have. And if you just want to read great stories about these characters working together, this has been a really consistently good. Uh, series for the most part. I, I, I think it's great to give to people who like the characters but maybe are not just regular comic book readers but want that kind of energy and excitement so um, I've are, been pleasantly surprised.
4: Are these yeah. stories in continuity?
3: They are definitely not.
4: Okay, I agree
2: with that. Yeah. It. It's, like, it's like Batman and, and Superman both have like, like new steady girlfriends so they're like hanging out with them all the time and they never get to hang out with each other anymore and like those girlfriends are continuity and this is out of continuity, where it's safe and fun and everything. So I agree with Mike that you just find an arc. If it looks interesting, pick it up. It's You don't have to read from you know number one. You can just pick it up and, and, and give it a shot. This is a cool uh, Abnet and Lanning story about uh, Superman getting stuck in the microverse time happens really quickly there so batman has to save him before he dies of old age and it's it's just it's a it's sort of a cool uh cosmic story on a very very small level
4: so what you're saying your analogy paul is that this comic is the bromance version of a vegas weekend exactly road. i see let me take a let me write that down this uh, is the uh, judd apatow
2: series for that <laughs> I, I think
3: I think, you know what, speaking of which, I would love to actually see Judd Apatow tackle Sea Guy, the slaves of Mickey Eye, <laughs> because he might be able to make it more entertaining than, than I found it, uh, to be honest. I was so dreadfully confused by this. I think I had fun, but I didn't well, yeah, know if exactly. I was being made fun of.
5: Why is confusion a bad thing? It was very strange, and it piqued my interest for issue two. It made very little sense but it started a lot of questions and um it was it, it, it had so many bizarre iconic sort of characters that you really really need a second issue to see what fuck he's on about and i hate is- to put you know i really hate to put grant morrison in a in a box but it was confusing what a surprise hates that too
4: he hates that too even as he's doing the thing that got him there
3: well, that's because I, I read this. I read this after Irredeemable, and I'm like, "Oh wow, Grant's being put in a box." I mean, even though, like, even though he's basically in the comic, you see, there's this character that's bald, wears a nice suit, wears crazy glasses, you know, black shirt, white tie, kind of reminded me of Grant Morrison a little bit. In, in the middle, when he's visiting the uh, museum. Yeah. um i was like that's like a little mini grant this guy's crazy
5: oh come I don't know. I, on I, that I, guy with a big head that's not grant he's no, I short mean, I, weird I,
3: I think maybe representational i'm just kidding but no. I, mean, yeah, I mean it does really? have an evil parrot it is 3.99 i i, I was like evil, evil parrot, oh. yeah
5: it, it has a crazy no what's weird is it has this sort of flesh monster thing that eats people's brains too oh, really? and that part's fun that yeah note- it's crazy <laughs> The half an animal on a stick who needs to
4: give your brains a lick. (laughs)
1: <laughs>
5: of you guys, and there's lots uh, of slurps
4: noises is that, is that in the book or did you just Write a jingle for that monster?
5: Oh, I swear to god I just read that straight from the book Also there's the she beard Who who, she, who makes her Landlord fight her for her rent Or her virginity Seriously this has some weird shit in it You may want to have a look
4: I am growing tired just hearing you describe this to me The poet and we didn't know it Alright so who's read Buffy? Oh god.
5: Oh yeah <sighs>
3: I'm gonna I, leave this to you guys. Oh, come
5: so on. is this? Is this is I didn't this, make fun it, of it, the Superman Batman fetish. Come on.
4: Oh. Is this is this the year that Joss Whedon just puts his name on things that he has no participation in whatsoever? Is that? Are what you I, thinking
5: that Bat Dollhouse as well?
4: Oh yeah, I sure Yeah, am. I think that.
5: I think maybe he has nothing to do with that. But anyway.
4: It. What? The, I, to be honest, I wanted. I ended up liking this book a lot more than I thought I was going to, but. God almighty was I mad when I realized that I had brought it all the way home. And see, all I ask <laughs> is that if you're going to sell me a book called Buffy Season 8, uh, mm. executive produced by Joss Whedon, that the one of the people who was responsible for the previous seven seasons of Buffy is responsible for the comic. That's, I mean, I, maybe mm. so that I don't feel like I'm reading illustrated fanfic. But instead, but that, that's uh, how
2: a show works anyway. He's, he's yes. the executive producer. He's the creator. When they do the show, it's written by other people. And a lot of yep. those other people, aside from Brian K. Vaughn, who is like a doppel-weedener, yes. um, uh, they, they work on the show. So it's,
4: uh, I, I, this is maybe
2: the one comic writer who, is, who hasn't done the, the show before.
4: Well, yes. This, this, one's, this I, one I, shot. It, it, is, it is accepted fact that I'm a, I'm a humorless churl it's okay uh yes and a great cover with no it did not have a great cover some sort of mutilated woman on it her
5: right boob is much 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 bigger and the wrong shape
2: human spines can't do that
5: well that too but but i was focused more on her breast and it's the wrong shape and much too big and i don't understand that i
2: was
3: just being polite
5: just from perspective her breast should be that one should be smaller
3: Speaking of misshapen breasts, I don't know where we're going to go with that. I'm going to just toss it in for Invincible Iron Man number 24. Let's move this along, people. <laughs>
5: he, he, my he God. Has a girl, okay, there's a girl Iron Man. I like that Iron Man That's woman. true. Is go. it Invincible Iron Man number 24?
3: No, we, number we 12. Like... Sorry. I doubled it. I doubled it. That's my special power. We have <laughs> oh, Matt Fraction and Salvador <laughs> La Roca. I've been reading this pretty regularly, and i got to say we we never – really talk i never hear much about it on the show and i think it's been pretty consistent do you guys read this regularly yes i have i have come to read it regularly
4: and i've come it to appreciate really. it a lot more in a way that it is it's rehabilitated tony stark for me there there was no greater more hated villain in the marvel universe than iron man for me after uh civil war should we, should we sit the scene
5: a bit and say what's happened
4: uh, yeah, well basically if you if you hated uh, Civil War and Tony's part in it, you'll love this because now Hammer is in charge and the rain is dark and everybody's he's got he's got to make amends, so he has erased shields superhero secret identity database and saved a copy of it in his brain and now he is in the process of erasing his brain. And while he does that, the ladies he works with, Pepper Potts and Maria Hill, are in the process of saving the world on his behalf a little bit. Uh,
3: <laughs> Speaking of which, I was unexpectedly sort of emotionally affected when Maria Hill got it. Um, she may or may not be dead, but I—I I never really liked Maria Hill, but I, I guess I did because I was really like, "Oh my God, is she dead?" No. <laughs> <laughs>
5: Terrible. That I was like yeah. like a job of a hot style murder. That was terrible. Yeah, that was that that's something. You remember stray toasters? Did anybody read stray toasters? Bill I think. That
4: yeah, was about so scenes of <laughs>
5: him like sucking the brains out of little kids. Like this is like that. Like where all his his disgusting, creepy zombies are delivering her up to be sucked. That's
3: the uh,
4: the controller. I think that's an old guy, an old villain. Uh, probably nice. wasn't that creepy the last time anybody saw him.
3: It's great. It's like, I wonder what he does, this controller guy. <laughs> he controls <yes>. people.
4: <laughs> I can't, can't wait to find out. And if, you, and if you don't like to see creepy mind control, you can watch uh, Iron Man fight Namor with poop.
3: Yes, indeed. Oh, you know <laughs> I love <what>? that. <laughs> Nothing gets to Namor like a bunch of poop.
4: I don't, I don't think, just as someone who has never been in a fight or superhero brawl himself, I guarantee you that poop would be the most effective weapon against me.
2: All right, speaking of uh, poop, let's I, go to the peanut gallery and, and see did what you, the... Uh... Did
4: you just compare the user reviews to poop?
3: Yes, we no, did. I it was, that was pretty did amazing. It?
2: Mike just did the poop <laughs> thing with the iron... All right.
3: Yeah, but I... So, all right. Well done. Faustic well done.
2: Haust, Dark rain, Fantastic Four, number two. He gave the story a four out of five and the art a four out of five. User pick of the week percentage two hundredths of a percent... I have to confess a bias in my evaluation of various Fantastic Four entries. My principal litmus test is how well a writer uh, deploys and characterizes my favorite superhero of all time, Reed Richards. Lee and Kirby's Mr. Fantastic was a willful and arrogant perfectionist, constantly railing and chafing against scientific and personal limitations, even as he reflexively self-sacrificed and endangered his family for the good of mankind. Jonathan Hickman nails it. I agree. I think Jonathan Hickman is the perfect writer for Fantastic Four in general, so I'm excited for him to be doing the, the main series. And this, this mini is a lot of fun, too.
3: It is. Thumbs uh, up. Yes. Tis the clobbering hour. Oh. That, yeah, milady, tis the clobbering hour. So, well I, done. I'm not really sure where this is going, but I'm going to continue to read it. I think it's pretty exciting, and uh, I, I, I do like the art, but um, so far it's been pretty enjoyable.
5: Jumping Jupiter, who's always an elegant commenter, he um, gave the mighty number three. He gave the story five out of five and the art four out of five. Nobody picked this as their pick of the week, which is strange because if he liked <laughs> it, why did not he pick it? But anyway, he writes, the art services the story very well. Big, rich pools of ink establish mood in a bar and at a chemical fire, blinding yellow express the oppressive nature of a press conference, jade greens, and skewed perspectives for an alien sanctuary, and the consistently drawn characters look and emote like people you and I know. It adds to the quiet drama and sucks right in, which sort of makes me curious as to what the fuck the Mighty is. So I, I need to take a look at <laughs> that, None actually. of us
2: are reading this, right? I am not. Okay, it's, it's, it's Tomasi, I believe. I was, I'm going to wait for the trade. but um, Well, I like what?
5: him very much, so I'll take yeah. a look.
2: Yeah, the one thing I wanted to say about this review, it's great to see people trying to um, touch on the art, because a lot of the user reviews focus mainly on the story and, and get into synopsis of, of, you know, what happened in the book and everything. Um, it's it's nice to see people tackling the other 50% of what makes up comics, so I'd like to see more it's, of that from the user reviews.
4: Um, it's, it's, it's always Paul cool. has spoken uh yeah. <laughs> it, it's also nice to have the user reviews highlighted and bring up these books that uh might be less familiar to us if for example you spend uh, a good portion of every day on ifanboy.com perhaps even writing one of the columns on a weekly basis and still yeah. have the books that are out you've never goddamn heard of them before that might be frustrating to you and so we need the users to
2: let us know what to read and s- give us great reviews like this to let us know
4: why right Good stuff. Now, Paul, you're you're waiting for the trade on the mighty. Yes. Correct.
2: Where where should I get it? I don't know.
4: Well, what my recommendation to you, Paul, is that you buy it at InStockTrades.com, because you see, Paul, in these in these tough economic times, uh, it is so important to try and uh, save save as much money as you can, and you can save up to 37% off at InStockTrades, and that I mean that's not even getting into the free shipping on orders over $50. Also important, uh, yeah. In these tough economic times, they have over 5,400 trade paperbacks in stock, uh, which is more than the Borders down the street from me. I'll tell you that much. Uh, and mm. they're all they're all available for order. New releases listed every Wednesday. Wow. Orders most of the time ship within 48 hours. And you know, just go to www.instocktrades.com and spend the rest of your rent money on these books. Sounds like a good plan. Sounds like good. I'm yes, going to do, that. do great, that. Yes, that's a great – yes. Investment-wise, that's your best option.
3: So if yeah. you're out there and you have uh, questions for the iFanboy crew, you can uh, send an email over to content at iFanboy.com, and we have a few letters today. Um, we have one from Steven Meisner, and he writes us. He says, I just had a quick comment regarding backup stories, like the Power Girl story in this week's Flash Rebirth book, and was wondering what your opinions uh, opinions are. So – Like, I generally don't mind backup stories as long as they have something to do with the book or the overall story in the universe. By the way, I mainly read DC. I enjoy the little three-page bios and the history of the DCU in 52 and Countdown. Like, the backups are the only reason I'm even holding on to the Countdown series, and I love the backup stories in Fear Agent. But with Flash Rebirth, I thought the Power Girl backup ruined my book. I loved Flash Rebirth number one, but now every time I look at it, I'm going to have to see that Power Girl story at the end of it, and I'm no way interested in PG. So what do you guys think? Isn't it enough to lay out one or two-page ads for other books? Or do you think slapping an unrelated story at the end of a title is going to grab readers? In my case, it probably lowered my chances of picking up the PG. I think they would have been better suited putting out the first issue for a buck. Whoa. Well, first of first of
5: all, it's not a backup story. It's a teaser. There's a big difference. He didn't have to read it. I never read those things, although I did like those pictures of Power Girl. She had nice boobs. But I'm just saying, <laughs> I ha- it wasn't a backup story. He he's mis- It's a misnomer. That is a teaser. Don't read it.
4: Marvel is addicted to doing this sort of thing, by the way, and I would contend that if reading it made him less likely to pick up Power Girl, meaning that otherwise he would have picked up Power Girl not knowing that it was something he didn't like, then what just happened to him is a good thing.
3: Totally. Yeah. And I mean, and, and the thing is... It's You may not be interested in the character. You may not, but you don't have to read it. It's giving some They're people like ads. A to, to they're, some like ads I don't, they're just ads. I don't read yeah. the ads yeah, either. Ads.
5: You know? Just don't read it. It's
3: exactly it it's, right. if, I,
4: if, I, if I paid an extra dollar uh, for the privilege, yes, it's true. I would have some sort of brain aneurysm. Yeah. Because I hate that stuff. But I don't think. I don't think that's an issue here, and if it really bothers you that much that every time you look at it, you're going to have to see it. I can attest, I've learned this a lot in the last year, there is nothing more satisfying than ripping apart a comic book a page at a time and wadding it up and throwing it in the trash. What? You've done that? After after years of, of boarding and bagging everything, I read a couple of times this year, I've read something that made me so mad that I just was compelled to destroy it. Okay,
5: now, here's my problem with that, all right? If you've ever been to the doctor's office and noticed that all they have is three-year-old sailing magazines, wouldn't it be nice to donate your old comics? There Not are lots of possible. places that would appreciate your <laughs> shitty comics.
4: If there are people trying to feel better, they don't want to read the Grant Morrison comic that is actually a prose story that I, ac- prose story that I accidentally paid for. That I never get that money back again.
3: But-, so, but but you know. But in closing, we don't seem to mind them. If they really bother you, don't read them. Uh, we have another email. Corinna writes, "I was hoping that you could help me out." It has been about a year now since I started reading comics weekly and I found myself completely fascinated with the X-Men universe. When I was younger, my parents used to buy me the old Chris Claremont Uncanny Trades and I would readily eat them up. Sounds disgusting. I was also a fan of the X-Men Evolution series. Since starting to read comics more, I've been trying to get into these X-Men books. I started reading Uncanny X-Men at 500 and Cable when it started. However, I dropped Cable after the first run was over. Tell me, please, what trades are essential for having a thorough knowledge of the X-Men universe. Sonia, I'm handing this to you.
5: <laughs> and I am so happy I'm here and Ron isn't. Because I'm going to tell you right now what will save you a lot of time. You read those old Chris Claremont ones. I don't know if you read it, but if you didn't, pick up the Dark Phoenix saga. And maybe read a little bit around that. You know, maybe for fun. And then just skip everything in the 90s. And then read Astonishing X-Men and Grant Morrison's New X-Men. And you're sorted.
4: Very nice. Yes. I'm also compelled to mention that the Marvel has released an entire, the entire run of Uncanny X-Men on DVD-ROM, if you can stand to look at the screen and read them in PDF form.
2: Just don't get the Ultimate X-Men
4: one by accident. Right. And don't exactly. try to do it all in one sitting. You'll be very sorry. Yeah.
3: <laughs> so again, if you guys have any emails that you want the guys to answer, email us at contact at ifanboy.com. And now we got some voicemail, and if you want to call, leave voicemail, uh, call us. At, we don't have voicemail, but... If you wanted to, you would call one eight 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 Fanboys three two six two six nine seven. I love that. I'm telling you the guys this, even though we have no voicemail to tell you about. Anyway, <laughs> I We have the Pretty capacity to, we, to get voicemail. We, we, we have the technology. So <laughs> I could pretend to get callers. No,
5: you should call for us, and then the other iFanboys, the real iFanboys, will have to deal with it.
3: Uh, that, yeah.
2: But you
5: t- should call and leave messages on. for us.
2: I like what that. What comic should I read? I've never read them before. What should I read?
4: It's- <laughs> This is Daryl stalking the streets of New York. The writers are terrible podcasters. On, I love Um, Okay, let's, <laughs> let's put this out of its misery. Uh, check out iFanboy.com for the pick and more in-depth comic book discussion and wonderful articles and news and discussion topics from this panel of geniuses before you, as well as, uh, uh, I want to say, John, Rob, uh, yeah, uh, and Hunter. Um. And... and, and
5: Rob, uh, my look, mom always calls him Rob. Uh, <laughs> she always says, that Rob wrote a nice article.
4: <laughs> <laughs> if my mother started reading this website, I'd have to go somewhere else. Uh, I wish I Fan- would <laughs> Look at ifanboy.com slash about to see the social networking links. While you're there, go to ifanboy.com slash store and ifanboy.com slash Amazon and uh, send a little gratuity the boys way, if you wouldn't mind.
2: Okay. okay, and uh, Robin Hood time. Support iFanboy by becoming an iFanboy member for $4 a month or $42 a year. You get the iFanboy prize pack, stickers and buttons, and a random comic from the guy's collection. Uh, or you go up to the platinum level. And uh, $10 a month or $100 a year, and that gets you a prize pack and the special edition iFanboy membership t-shirt in black.
5: Ooh, black. That's one. I sleep in it. Okay. In addition to the audio show, there is also a video show, which comes out every Wednesday. You can download it from revision3.com ifanboy or from this site or from TiVo, which comes out on Thursday, which is how I watch it. And it's nice and big. And uh, this last week, they had superhero costumes, which is great for the fashion mavens amongst us. And next week, it's Jeff Johns.
3: And you can also go and get yourself some fanboy intern t-shirts. They're available now at the Revision 3 store. You go to revision3.com slash store, and you get yourself for fifteen ninety nine dollars a very nice shirt that says the word intern on it. In It's in bright blue. You'll, you will be noticed in this shirt. We <laughs> pretty much guarantee it, though I won't be sending you any money back. Anyway, you can email us at contact at ifanboy.com, or as we mentioned earlier, leave that short under 30 second voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys three two six two six nine seven. with any questions, concerns, comments, or complaints about your friendly writing staff.
5: <laughs> not about us, you we're have not none. usually doing this. Sorry. You know,
3: no. <laughs> uh, if,
4: if you enjoy this show normally, uh, write us a review. <laughs> not I'm now, t-
5: clearly. No, yeah, no I, beg you, I
4: beg exception. you, I beg do not review this episode. This is indicative <laughs> Nothing but a little <laughs> bit of poor judgment on the boys' part. Uh, <laughs> yeah, really. Or, or, or better, better yet, tell your friends about us. I've told mine; they still don't listen, but yours probably respect you. So, so t- m- take advantage of that. Tell, tell, tell your mom. Sonia did, and look how that's uh, painted.
5: No, I uh, didn't tell her. Actually, she just <laughs> right.
4: spray well, painting on walls. Yeah, spray yeah, painting. Fly- Light flyer- sideburns on walls in public it's- parks. Absolutely, flyer flyer your campus, and everywhere everywhere you you go, you'll hear you'll hear the kids in the quad going, "What's Iffin boy?" Uh, and- you get
2: stickers <laughs> in your membership package, so you should put yeah. them on like yield signs and stuff. Oh yes,
4: public utilities, the real style. People cars love that. People love it when their cars have been decorated with an iPhone, and
2: that's why the membership shirts are in black, so you can break into the <laughs> That's this
5: right
4: stuff. for late night late <laughs> night three crew promo. Uh, we're, we're not
5: endorsing that, no. I swear, I, am. I swear,
4: do it. Uh, I, yeah, this can't get back to me. So yeah, I mean, you, we need all the promotion we can get, especially after this episode. We got a lot of we got a lot of goodwill to recoup after this.
3: Thank I guess you. that's it for this week's show. Thank you for listening. I'm Mike.
2: I am P Money. <laughs> I'm Jim Skeen.
5: And I'm Sonia. Thanks for <laughs> listening.
3: Bye. Thank you so much. <laughs> bye bye. Shiguri! Shiguri! Oh, yes, son. Sonia, Sonia, Euro,
2: Jimsky, do it. Say it. Yeah. Shiguri. <laughs> not Shiguri. It's not shiguri. an adjective.
4: It's not you're Shiguri not brother. I'll say it however I like. Then you're avenging <laughs> someone. The streets will run with your blood, Paul Montgomery. <laughs> it's the, the Macy
2: Restoration, and you have to avenge your brother's death. Say it. Say your name.
3: <laughs> no. Holy Christ. I think my nose is bleeding. Yes
5: I have finished my champagne (laughs) Oh my god That was so hard